these through constantly seeing parentheses one another and parentheses came to be in love. Books Podcast, episode 156, Tipitaka, part 89, in which we will begin with the rules for nuns. I'll get more specific than that after I have some idea what's going on. Um, We just finished the rules for monks, almost, almost, here, let me represent here. Um, If this is your first time seeing me and you are not specifically interested in starting with the rules for nuns, um, then you may want to click here and start at the beginning of the Tibitaka playlist with the beginning of all the rules. If you're um, looking for inspiration, deep thoughts and insights about Buddhist teachings, uh, maybe keep scrolling, keep, keep, maybe click away now. Um, this is the rules, uh, of the sixth century before common era monks, uh, nuns in this case, we just finished the rules for monks. We've been reading them for many months, reading them here in New Delhi, reading them in Goa, reading them in Kerala and, uh, whatnot. It's been very fun at times. So there's actually like one and a half pages of like some kind of conclusion to the previous section. Um, and then we'll be moving into, I, I haven't practiced saying it yet. It starts with a B and ends with a Vibanga. Um, I'll work on that. Uh, but our special guests today are White Tara and Green Tara, both of whom have been guests on this podcast before, and they are here representing um, the the Buddhist nuns. So thank you to Green and White Tara, and I think without further ado, I'll get to the that conclusion at the end of the Maha Vibhanga, and then we'll move on to the. Uh, Bikuni Vibanga. Bikuni Vibanga. That shouldn't be too hard for me to learn how to say. Okay. <clears throat> so, picking up where we left off last time. These seven rules, venerable ones, for de- the deciding of legal questions come up for recitation. For the deciding, for the settlement of legal questions arising from time to time, a verdict in the presence of may be given. A verdict of innocence may be given. A verdict of past insanity may be given. It may be carried out on parentheses his and parentheses acknowledgement. Parentheses there is and parentheses the decision of the majority. 
the decision for specific depravity. The covering up parentheses as and parentheses with grass. Recited, venerable ones, are the seven rules for the deciding of legal questions. Concerning them, I ask the venerable ones, I hope that you are quite pure in this matter. Am I? Are we? Was that them? Was that the seven? Did we just brush through that really quickly? Um, oh, the verdicts. Okay, either uh, a verdict of innocence, a verdict in the presence of may be given. Okay, a verdict of innocence, a verdict of ins past insanity, a verdict uh, on his acknowledgement, the decision of the majority, the specific depravity, the covering up as with grass. Did I miss one? Um, right. Okay. A, a verdict in the presence of must be the seventh one. I hope that you are quite pure in this matter. Don't look at me. I'm not quite pure in this matter. I have no idea what's going on. And a third time I ask, I hope that you are quite pure in this matter. I beseech thee, O scholars of Theravada, please comment below and explain this to me so that I too may be clear in this matter. The venerable ones are quite pure in this matter, therefore they are silent, thus do I understand this. Recited, venerable ones, is the occasion. Recited are the four rules for offenses involving defeat. Recited are the 13 rules for offenses entailing a formal meeting of the order. Recited are the 30 rules for offenses of expiation involving forfeiture. Recited are the 92 rules for offenses of expiation. Recited are the four rules for offenses which ought to be confessed. Recited are the four rules, recited are the rules for training. Recited are the seven rules for the deciding of legal questions. Yes, yes, I remember reciting all of that. Been reciting that for a long time now. So much of parentheses, excuse me, so much parentheses of the sayings and parentheses of the Lord handed down in clauses, contained in clauses, Santa Claus? No, no, no. Comes up for recitation every half month. All should train therein in harmony, on friendly terms, without contention. Told is the great analysis, or Mahavibhanga, if you will. All right. Now, officially beginning, the rules for nuns. Cheers. To the nuns. Bhikkhuni Vibhanga. Praise to the Lord, the perfected one, the fully enlightened. Defeat. Parajika. One. At that time, the enlightened one, the Lord was staying at Savati in the Jetta Grove in Anatta Pindika's monastery. Then Salha, Migara's grandson, became desirous of building a dwelling house for the order of nuns. 
Then Salha. Did I say Salga? I meant Salha. Megara's grandson, having approached the nuns, spoke thus, quote, Ladies, I want to build a dwelling place for the order of nuns. Give me a nun who is an overseer of repairs. End quote. At that time, four sisters had gone forth among the nuns, Nanda, Nandavati, Sundarinanda, and Tulananda. All of them Nandas, it seems. Among these, the nun Sundarinanda had gone forth when she was young. She was beautiful, good to look upon, charming. She was clever, experienced, wise. She was skilled, energetic. She was possessed of consideration for those kinds of things. What kinds of things? She was connected with the investigation or examination of the building or repairs that should be undertaken. Oh, those kinds of things, right. She was able to build, able to make arrangements. Then the nuns, having chosen the nun Sundarinanda, gave parentheses her and parentheses as overseer of repairs to Salha, Migara's grandson. Now at that time, the nun Sundarinanda constantly went to the dwelling of Salha. Megara's grandson, saying, quote, Give a knife, give a hatchet, give an axe, give a spade, give a chisel, end quote. And Salha, Megara's grandson, constantly went to the nunnery to learn what was built and what was not built. These through constantly seeing parentheses one another and parentheses, came to be in love. In love, I don't know. Okay, then Salha, Megara's grandson, through not getting an opportunity to seduce, through not getting an opportunity to seduce the nun Sundarinanda, for this purpose, gave a meal for the order of nuns. Then Salha, Megara's grandson, having appointed a seat in the refectory, thinking, quote, Some nuns are senior to the lady Sundarinanda, and, quote, appointed a seat to one side, and thinking, quote, some are junior, and quote, appointed a seat to the other side. He appointed a seat for the nun Sudarinanda in a concealed place, in a corner, so that the nuns who were elders might conclude, quote, she is sitting with the junior nuns, and quote, and the junior nuns might conclude, Quote, she is sitting with the nuns who are elders, 
end quote. Then Salha, Megara's grandson, had the time announced to the order of nuns, saying, quote, It is time, ladies. The meal is ready. End quote. The nun Sundari Nanda, having realized, parentheses, what was happening, end parentheses, thinking, quote, Salha, Megara's grandson, is not benevolent, parentheses, although, end parentheses, he gave a meal for the order of nuns. He wants to seduce me. If I go, there will be trouble for me. End quote. Ordered her pupil, saying, quote, Go, bring back alms food for me, and if anyone asks for me, let it be known that I am ill. End quote. Quote, Very well, lady. End quote. The nun answered the nun Sudarinanda. At that time, Salha, Megara's grandson, came to be standing outside the porch of the door asking for the nun Sundarinanda, saying, quote, Where, lady, is the lady Sundarinanda? Where, lady, is the lady Sundarinanda? End quote. When he had spoken thus, the pupil of the nun Sudarinanda spoke thus to Silha Migara's grandson, quote, She is ill, sir. I will take back her alms food. End quote. Then Salha, Migara's grandson, thinking, quote, thinking, quote, this meal which I gave for the sake of the nuns was on purpose for the lady Sundarinanda, end quote. And having commanded the people, having said, quote, offer the meal for the order of nuns, end quote, he approached the nunnery. At that time, the nun Sudarinanda came to be standing outside the porch of the monastery waiting for Salha. Migara's grandson. Then the nun Sudarinanda saw Salha, Migara's grandson, coming from afar, seeing him, having entered the dwelling, having put on her upper robe, including over her head, she lay down on a couch. Then Salha, Migara's grandson approached the nun Sundarinanda. Having approached, he spoke thus to the lady, to the nun Sundarinanda. Quote, What is your discomfort, lady? Why are you laying down? End quote. Quote, Surely it is this, sir. She who desires is not desired. End quote. Quote, how can I, lady, not desire you? But I did not get an opportunity to seduce you. End quote. And filled with desire, he came into physical contact 
with the nun Sundari Nanda, also filled with desire. Now at that time a nun, weakened by age, her feet affected, came to be sitting down not far from the nun Sundari Nanda. That nun saw Salha, Migara's grandson, filled with desire. Coming into physical contact with the nun Sudari Nanda. Parentheses also, end parentheses, filled with desire. Seeing them, she looked down upon, criticized, spread it about, saying, quote, How can the lady Sundari Nanda, filled with desire, consent to physical contact with a male person? who is filled with desire, end quote. Then this nun told this matter to the nuns, those who were modest nuns, contented, conscientious, scrupulous, desirous of training. These looked down upon, criticized, spread it about, saying, quote, How can the lady Sundari Nanda, filled with desire, Three dots with a male person who is filled with desire. End quote. Then these nuns told this matter to the monks. These monks looked down upon, criticized, spread it about, saying, quote, How can the nun Sundari Nanda, filled with desire, three dots with a male person who is filled with desire? End quote. Then these monks told this matter to the Lord. Then the Lord, on this occasion, in this connection, having had the order of monks convened, questioned the monks, saying, quote, Is it true, as is said, monks, that the nun Sundari Nanda, filled with desire, three dots, with a male person, Filled with desire? End quote, quote, it is true, Lord. End quote, they said. The enlightened one, the Lord, rebuked them. What did they do? Saying, quote, it is not fitting, monks. In the nun Sundari Nanda, it is not suitable. It is not becoming. It is not to be done. How, monks, can the nun Sundari Nanda, filled with desire, consent to physical contact with a male person who is filled with desire? It is not, monks, for pleasing those who are not, parentheses, yet, and parentheses, pleased, nor for the increasing, parentheses, the number of, and parentheses, those who are pleased, but, monks, it is both for the displeasing of those who are not, parentheses yet, and parentheses pleased, and those who are pleased, and for causing wavering some, in some, end quote. It's nice to be reminded what goes in those three dots. Anyway, then the Lord, having in many a figure rebuked the nun Sundari Nanda for her difficulty in supporting herself, for her difficulty in maintaining herself, having spoken in dispraise of great desires, of discontent, of clinging, parentheses, to the obstructions, end quote, of sloth, 
having in many a figure spoken in praise of ease in supporting oneself, I think by the context that this time that doesn't mean peeing, um, of ease in maintaining oneself, of desiring little, of contentment, of expunging, parentheses, evil, and parentheses, of punctiliousness, of graciousness, of decreasing, parentheses, the obstructions, and parentheses, of putting forth energy, having given reason to talk to the monks on what is fitting, on what is suitable, he addressed the monks, saying, quote, On account of this, monks, I will lay down a rule of training for nuns, founded on ten reasons. For the excellence of the order, for the comfort of the order, for the restraint of evil-minded nuns, for the ease of well-behaved nuns, for the restraint of cankers belonging to the here and now, for the combating of cankers belonging to other worlds, for pleasing those who are not, parentheses, yet, and parentheses, pleased, for increasing, parentheses, the number of, and parentheses, those who are pleased, for establishing what is verily dawn for following the rules of restraint. And thus, monks, let the nuns set forth this rule of training. Whatever nun, filled with desire, should consent to rubbing, or rubbing up against, or taking hold of, or touching, or pressing against a male person below the collar, above the circle of the knees. If he is filled with desire, she also becomes one who is defeated. She is not in communion. She is one who touches above the circle of the knees. Hmm. All right. So, just, uh, just a little bit of a sidebar. Parajika 1 in... The rules for monks is do not put your male member, your penis, inside the vagina, anus, or mouth of a woman or a man or a not decomposed corpse. Um, if you do any of those things, or I think an animal, uh, then or a eunuch, a human or an animal, right? If you do any of those things, you are kicked out. Um, but for nuns, you're just not supposed to touch below the collarbone and above the knees when the man is filled with desire or when there's desire involved. So that sounds like kind of a big loophole, like, oh, but there was no desire involved. We were just, you know, I was handing up something. But if you touch someone's hand and go, then you're kicked out. You are out. So, difference? Difference? Comment below if you have any thoughts on the difference. Why that might be different. All right. 
Whatever means, she who is an elder or a junior or one of middle standing, this one on account of relations, on account of birth, on account of name, on account of clan, on account of virtue, on account of the way of living, on account of the field of activity, is called whatever. We've got a new uh, definition of whatever that we'll be flashing back to for the next several months. That's fun. Nun means she is a nun because she is a beggar for alms. She is a nun because she submits to walking for alms. She is a nun because she is one who wears the patchwork robes. She is a nun by the designation, parentheses, of others, and parentheses. A nun because of her acknowledgement. A nun, parentheses, to whom it was, parentheses, said, quote within quotes, come, nun, end quote within quotes. A nun is one ordained by the three goings to a refuge. A nun is auspicious. A nun is the essential. A nun is a learner. A nun is an adept. A nun is ordained by both complete orders by means of a parentheses formal and parentheses act, at which the motion is put and followed by three proclamations, irreversible and fit to stand. In this way is this nun one who is ordained by both complete orders by means of a parentheses formal and parentheses act at which the motion was put and followed by three proclamations, irreversible, fit to stand, and this is how nun is to be understood in this case. Wow, there's like a, an extra layer of self-consciousness knowing that that clip is going to be reused every three episodes or so from here until the end of time. Filled with desire means infatuated, full of desire, physically in love with. Filled with desire means infatuated, full of desire, physically in love with. Um, all right, okay, so that first one was the feminine, the, uh, the verbs and such, or whatever, the pronouns were feminine, and the, uh, the second one, they were masculine, so that's why it was repeated exactly the same way in English, where those words don't have a masculine version and a feminine version, right? We're all here? A male person means... A human man, not a yaka, not a departed one, not an animal. He is learned, competent to come into physical contact. Below the collarbone means, any guesses? Below the collarbone. Above the circle of the knees means, anyone, anyone? Above the circle of the knees. Rubbing means merely rubbed. My last name, by the way, means to rub. I don't know why. I don't know what my ancestors in Germany did for a living that that was their surname. Weird, right? Rubbing up against means moving from here and there. Where and where do go on. Taking hold of means merely taken hold of. 
Touching means merely contact. Or should consent to pressing against means having taken hold of a limb, she consents to pressing against. She also means she is so-called in reference to the preceding. Becomes one who is defeated means as a man with his head cut off cannot become one to live by attaching it to his body, so a nun filled with desire consenting to rubbing or rubbing up against or to taking hold of or to touching or to pressing a man who is filled with desire below the collarbone, above the circle of the knees, becomes one who is not a recluse, not a daughter of the Sakyans. Therefore, she is called, she becomes one who is defeated. Hmm. So she is called, and then it's in italics, so she becomes one who is defeated must be like a polyphrase that that's the, the new title given. Is not in communion means. Communion is called one parentheses formal end parentheses act. One recital, an equal training. This is called communion. If it is not together with her, she is therefore called not in communion. If both are filled with desire, parentheses and, and parentheses, she rubs the body below the collarbone, above the circle of the knees with the body, there is an offense involving defeat. If she rubs something attached to the body with the body, there is a grave offense. If she rubs the body with something attached to the body, there is a grave offense. Okay. If she rubs something attached to the body with something attached to the body, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If she rubs the body with something that may be cast, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If she rubs something attached to the body with something that may be cast, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Like, filled with desire, I'm going to rub this cup up against this other cup. Ooh. Wrongdoing. If she rubs the body above the collarbone, below the circle of the knees with the body, there is a grave offense. If she rubs something attached to the body with the body, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If she rubs the body with something attached to the body, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If she rubs something attached to the body with something attached to the body, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If she rubs the body with something that may be cast, there is an offense of wrongdoing. Doing. If she rubs something attached to the body with something that may be cast, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offense of wrongdoing. If one is filled with desire and she rubs the body below the collarbone above the circle of the knees with the body, there is a grave offense. What? If one is filled with desire and she rubs the body below the collarbone, above the circle of the body. If she rubs her own body, okay, I could see that. 
Um, if she rubs the body with something attached to the body, three dots. If she rubs the body, if she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If she rubs the body above the collarbone, below the circle of the knees of the body, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If she rubs something attached to the body with the body, three dots. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If both are filled with desire, and she rubs the body of a yaka, or a departed one, or of a eunuch, or of an animal in human form, below the collarbone, above the circle of the knees with the body, there is a grave offense. If she rubs something attached to the body with the body, three dots. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If she rubs the body above the collarbone, below the circle of the knees with the body, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If she rubs something attached to the body with the body, three dots. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offensive wrongdoing. I have a feeling, based on the fact that a lot of this sounds very repetitive, that at the end of the book, there's going to be like a modern day translator's note saying, oh, back in 1938, Miss Warner was being shy. And what this should have said was blank. We'll find out some point in the future. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offensive wrongdoing, I say, for the fourth time. <clears throat> if she rubs the body above the collarbone, below the circle of the knees with the body, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If she rubs something attached to the body with the body, three dots. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offensive wrongdoing. Again, same exact paragraph for the umpteenth time. If one is filled with desire and she rubs the body below the collarbone, above the circle of the knees with the body, there is an offensive wrongdoing. Again, it's exactly the same. If she rubs something attached to the body with the body, three dots. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offensive wrongdoing. All right. Let's see where this goes next. If she rubs the body above the collarbone, below the circle of the knees with the body, there is an offensive wrongdoing. If she rubs something attached to the body with the body, three dots. If she rubs something that may be cast with something that may be cast, there is an offensive wrongdoing. I am pretty well convinced that at the end of this book, there's going to, in the appendix, we're going to find out what all that really said, because that was literally the same paragraph six times. Um, but there must be differences in meaning. There is no offense if it is unintentional, if she is not thinking, if she does not know, if she does not consent, if she is mad, if her mind is unhinged, if she is in pain, if she is the first wrongdoer. Told is the first offense involving defeat in the nun's analysis. Well, all right. Um, that was Parajika 1, much shorter than Parajika 1 was in Mahavibhanga, and uh, definitely kind of more strict, you might say. Um, yeah, so not allowed to touch or rub your body below your collarbone, above your knee, against a man's below his collarbone, above his knee. So thigh to thigh, you're kicked out if you're both experiencing desire. Where for the monk, he has to actually put it in, let's just say, to be, um, to be
Be graceful about it. Is graceful the right word? Um, okay, so uh, that's uh, Parajika 1. In the bhikkhuna, in the thing that starts with a B, which I'll practice saying. Thank you all for going on this ride with me. Thank you to the two Taras for being our special guest. And um, I will go ahead and perform the usual prayer for the end of these episodes. Did you notice the new microphone? The, uh, the previous one, as I mentioned before, stopped working. Okay. <clears throat> to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time.